Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, the podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Well, Betsy, I'm still amazed. You're no longer an elected official. It seems like you are. I was talking to some of your staff the other day, and we were both commenting on how your life hasn't changed very much uh, since you got out of the Senate, really. You're just as busy, just as involved, just a little different role, I guess, in all of this. And, and one of the things you're concerned about is funding for the arts. Again, nothing new for you. You've been concerned about this for years and years and years. What's going on now with that? Well, the worst part is what the legislature didn't do in their long session. They just forgot the arts. Now, they funded a lot of for-profit gathering places like the Crystal Ballroom and um, other other uh, concert venues and, and bars and taverns. And uh, on the argument that those uh, enterprises still had not recovered from COVID, well, you can't prove that by me when I drive by the Crystal Ballroom and there are people lined up around the block with tickets to get in to see the, the acts that are there. But the legislature funded those kinds of endeavors, including Revolution Hall, that has been back in the queue over and over again. I haven't added up the numbers because I'm not just quite sure what all of the streams of income were. But Revolution Hall has probably dragged a million dollars out of the Oregon legislature uh, under the guise of we're suffering economically and we've got to have all this money. And so I think they did, they, the legislature, did an absolutely shameful job. What they didn't fund were the big arts organizations, the Oregon Symphony, the Portland uh, Art Museum. The Shakespeare, although a little of Shakespeare's problem is a whole of its own digging, um, but they just they they didn't fund the the stalwarts of the arts community, and those institutions have suffered mightily. The the Portland Art Museum, for example, is in the middle of a major capital campaign. It's going to join two buildings together with a pavilion that is uh, dedicated to the work of an artist by the name of Rothko. Rothko had uh, heavy Oregon connections. And so contrary to the notion that the city would applaud having this major art amenity, the city's just screwed the art museum. They want these giant system development fees. They've jerked them around on permits. It's been a real problem. So they're still trying to close this multi-million dollar capital campaign. Um, Metro that runs Portland's five big performance venues has raised all of their prices, making it virtually impossible for people using these venues like the Schnitzer to be able to make any money. Downtown is still a shit show. And so trying to entice people to come down to participate in economic, uh, I mean, in artistic endeavors is problematic. So you've got units of government not helping our cultural institutions, in fact, hurting them in the case of those that are in downtown Portland. You've got people that are afraid to come back downtown. You've got the legislature focused on making investments in for-profit enterprises rather than the 501c3 not-for-profits. And um, 
it, it's a mess. And so at this particular point in history, the legislature, when they come into the short session, need to come back in and fund some of these projects. The, the list that to me was the most annoying was that there is a process that comes through the Cultural Advocacy Coalition of Oregon. And they received a number of applications for their 23-25 program that funds artistic organization based largely on their economic development potential. And so these uh, applications are evaluated through a peer review process led by the cultural advocacy with expertise from the Arts Commission and the Cultural Trust. They ranked, I think, 16 or 17 of these projects. One legislator peeled off two of the projects in his district and funded them. And are they worthy projects? I'm going to say yes, because they went through this peer reviewed process. And so they were peeled off and given uh, between the two of them $4 million and everything else was kicked to the curb. So, and both of those were in Portland. So no geographic diversity here at all. And some of the other um, applicants that were on this list are over in Bend, the High Desert Museum, the Southern Oregon Historical Society, a little museum in Rainier, um, a variety, the Painted Sky Center for the Arts and Culture that's over in Grant County. And all of these were completely ignored by the legislature. Salem had one in, uh, the, the, uh, Eugene had one in. It was really very, very discouraging that they didn't fund these. And I hope that they make it right by coming back in and funding these projects that are on their um, uh, their endorsed list. Again, I want to emphasize that we asked Oregonians to sit through the process of ranking these and making the really tough decisions about what gets funded only to be ignored. And so the cultural advocates should be justifiably cranky about the fact that the arts and culture were ignored by the legislature. I'll just add in closing, because I'm kind of fired up about this. The, um, the economic value of arts and culture in Oregon is about nine and a half billion dollars. So that's three and a half percent of the state economy and supports 65,000 jobs. And um, I, it, it's my contention, as it is with the Cultural Advocacy Coalition, that the arts accelerate economic recovery. But it ought to look, the legislature ought to look at Oregon's not-for-profit arts industry alone that generates $650 million in, in economic activity. And um, much of, many of the institutions in this sector have been starved of state support for many, many years. And it, it's time for the state of Oregon to step up while we still have a ton of money. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's especially disturbing of the failure of legislators to fund this slate of capital projects, which historically have received state funding and not just cherry pick a couple of projects and ignore these more um, geographically diverse and smaller projects. So um, I, I just think that it's imperative that the legislature uh, look at the arts more seriously. The Oregonian. Uh, opined on this issue uh, 
couple of weeks ago in early October, I think October the 15th, that the state budget needs to include the arts and they cite all kinds of statistics. Private foundations and private donors play their role, but they can only go so far, particularly on big capital projects. And so um, I, I'm very hopeful that the legislature will come around and fund these arts organizations. They really seriously need to. What kind of money are we talking about here? Is this just through the budget process and this is regular capital construction money that goes to projects? Or is this somehow COVID-related funding that's still left over from COVID? In the past, they've, they've, they've used COVID money to fund arts projects. This is, uh, it, it, these are smaller projects, and this is just a general fund money. This, there's, there may be some commingling of COVID. I'm not sure of all of the streams of money, because since I left the building, I don't know how much leftover money there is from any of the federal. Um, but we're really not talking about very much money. I'm looking at the projects right now. And I bet this whole thing doesn't add up to, um, I'm just doing it quickly in my head, uh, it, it can't add up to more than $15 million. And again, I'm doing it in my head as I'm talking to you. I'm just looking at the list. Um, so we're not talking about major, major money. Actually, if I go back and look at it, the unfunded projects on this um, community list total only $7 million. I mean, hell, the same legislature wasted seven million dollars in trying to reactivate the locks at uh, at the Oregon City Falls, seven point five to be precise, with no business plan, no nothing to back up why it is that the Corps of Engineers wanted to decommission those locks because they were losers, and the state of Oregon, through political purposes, pumped that seven point five million in with no idea of how that's going to work whatsoever. So we're not talking about giant amounts of money. Now, when you start adding some of the other bigger art venues, the art museum um, is probably looking for multi-million dollars. But the ones that I'm the most concerned about, what's called the CREF uh, list, is is closer to seven million than any uh, that's a, a good number and so i know during covid um we were both involved in the funding of venues various venues uh, a group was formed a list was made you were concerned at the time there was a lot of vetting of that list it just seemed to be somebody's idea and they gave projects here projects there it weren't even projects really it was operational money which is pretty unusual for the legislature to do right i mean you don't usually fund operational stuff right? That's correct. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there was some money handed out for that, but what you're talking about are actually building things. These um, are capital, these are capital projects. Yeah. So just for folks who don't know what that means, that means you're building something. Yep. Um, and so, you know, for a community, the size of Bend or I don't know, Astoria, Scappoose, whatever, the smaller towns, I mean, there's not enough money there for the people that live there to build this all on their own. They have to have help from somewhere. And it's part of the state's responsibility, I would think, to make sure that the communities are livable and that it draws people to Oregon, which is a good thing. Well, let me just give you an example of one that's near and dear to my heart. In the interest of full disclosure, both of my parents were on the board. And as they, my father was, he died. My mother went on, she died. I went on, still alive. I, I ended up uh, filling out my term and not getting reappointed. But um, the High Desert Museum, they want to construct some new exhibit space that would 
basically double the museum's educational programming capacity and they get then earned revenue off of greater attendance. They have 200,000 people attend that museum and pay a ticket price. 12,000 of those are student. students. The economic impact in Central Oregon is $20 million plus dollars. And the closest dedicated art museum to Bend in Central Oregon is 120 miles away in Eugene. So they're asking for $2 million. They have already raised a ton of this capital project uh, through private sources. They were counting on the state's participation to close their gap, and they've been left in the lurch for one of $2 million. Uh, as you know from all of our time together, it is not generally in my nature to make a strong case for something not in my district, but the High Desert Museum is a remarkable facility with a truly beautiful collection of unique and wonderful stuff. Uh, with a lot of focus on native populations, uh, one of the most significant Indian uh, collections went to the High Desert Museum on the death of the person that had amalgamated this treasure trove of stuff so that baskets and beadwork and things like that can be cared for in proper curatorial style and displayed for scholars and students. Um, the, the High Desert Museum is a treasure, and uh, it it has Oregon value, but many Oregon value, but many legislators act like there is no Oregon on the other side of the Cascade Range, which is a dirty shame. Is there a committee that deals with this? Is it uh, you know it legislators in their district? I mean, who's who's in charge of deciding who gets and who doesn't get? Well, right now it's going to be the Ways and Means Committee and the presiding officer. So the presiding officers uh, in the Senate are Rob Wagner, who's the president of the Senate, and Elizabeth Steiner, who is the chair of Ways and Means. On the House side, it is Dan Rayfield, Representative Dan Rayfield, who's the Speaker of the House, and it is Representative Ta Atana Sanchez, who is the co-chair of Ways and Means. And so, um, undoubtedly, this, I mean, it goes through committee, it'll go through the Ways and Means Committee. It, this is principally a budget issue, and so those four people are the most responsible. Rob Nose, Representative Rob Nose, was responsible for taking the two projects in his district off of the list and making sure that they got funded. Uh, and uh, so he's going to be a player in the arts and culture play, uh, space as well. And I think if they uh, sent messages to their own legislators saying, we have an expectation that you will help our projects because these are Republican districts, these are Democrat districts, huge geographic sweep as I already articulated. And um, I, I think if folks just weighed in with their own legislators and said, it is a, a stain on the legislature that you all forgot arts and culture and you need to come back around and support it. Uh, it terribly important, not since Governor Kulingowski and his very capable guy, Howard Levine, uh, were in the governor's office, has there been an, a real emphasis on culture and, uh, and arts. And Governor Kulingowski did an enormous amount to promote all kinds of arts, uh, visual, performance, musical, and Howard was the, the wind under Governor Kulingowski's wings to keep arts and culture front and center in Oregon's budget life for the time that Governor Kulingowski was the governor of our state. 
Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.